2: You've been given keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom may be manifested in a variety of ways in your life. They're going to be manifested through the power of your testimony as you share the gospel. God's story your story.
1: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, senior pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit MissionHill.org. That's MissionHill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: Please, you can come and eat and fellowship and stay and hang out because you're a part of the family. And anyone you invite is now part of the family. And Jesus said, you have been given the keys to the kingdom. Now I want to share with you three things about kingdom living this morning that I think are important wherever you are. And, and I believe with all my heart there are going to be some of you here today that need to hear this first truth. There are others that you need to camp out on the second truth. And there's some that you need to just go on to the third truth. But, but the reality is these truths about kingdom living... They speak to each of us. Now, here's the first truth. We enter the kingdom through a narrow gate. There's only one way to get into the kingdom, and that's through the narrow gate. Jesus made it clear over and over again that if we're going to enter his kingdom, we can't enter it the way the world enters their kingdom. We enter the kingdom differently differently. Than the world. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is preaching a a message that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, And in verse 13, he says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. There's not many ways, there's not multiple ways. There's one way to enter God's kingdom, and that's through the narrow gate. And then he says, The highway to hell is broad, its gate is wide. There are many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow. The road is difficult, and only a few people ever find it. The gate, the door, the entrance to the kingdom of God is Nera. And that word nera is the Greek word stenos. It's the word we get our word stenosis from. Back at the end of August, I had back surgery. I had five herniated discs, and I had a problem that seems to come on you as you get older. I had stenosis of of the vertebra. And then stenosis is when the vertebra begins to narrow. And as it narrows, what happens is the nerves that go in the vertebra, inside the vertebra, they are now being pushed on by the vertebra. And so the nerves are now touching the vertebra. They're touching bone. And I can tell you from experience, when that happens, it doesn't feel good. And so they go in and they, they cut off the back of the vertebra. And then they, they begin to shave the vertebra out so that it is not as narrow as it was before, so that the nerves aren't touching it. You see, that's what happens when you have stenosis. It's a narrowing, a narrowing of the arteries. It's a narrowing of the vertebra. But understand, we may be able to go in and we may be able to clean out arteries and fix a narrowing of the arteries. We may be able to go in and and clean out the vertebra and, and make the vertebra a little more wide. But you can't do that when it comes to entering the kingdom of God. There's only one way to enter, and it is narrow. It's so narrow that you can only go in one at a time. You can't enter the kingdom as a group. You see, some of us have this idea that because my family is a part of the kingdom, I'm entitled to be in the kingdom. But no, you have to enter the kingdom on your own. Others of us have this idea that because we live in America, and America is a Christian nation, therefore we're a Christian, we're a part of the kingdom. But no, you don't enter the kingdom that way. You enter the kingdom individually, one at a time. It is so narrow that you have to individually make a decision and make a choice for Jesus to enter the kingdom. But here's the deal. You can know about Jesus You can know who he is, you can know what he's done, and you still not be a part of the kingdom. Later on in in chapter 7, Jesus said this, he said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Jesus said that there are going to be many people, many people on the judgment day who say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons did we not do many wonderful works did we not preach and prophesy in your name jesus will say depart from me i never knew you just because we know the facts about jesus doesn't mean that we know jesus not everyone that says lord will enter the kingdom of heaven it's a narrow way it is so narrow That there are people who know who He is, who know what He has done, who still aren't going to be a part of the kingdom. Jesus said in in Matthew 19, He said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That, That word change, it means to turn. Jesus said, unless you're willing to turn from the way you presently live, turn from the world you're living in, turn from... The way you presently live your life unless you're willing to turn from that you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god so how do we enter it how do we get into this kingdom because i got to tell you i believe every one of us wants to be a part of that kingdom i mean jesus is the king and he is going to rule and reign forever And you're not going to want to miss his kingdom. So how do you get there? Well, Jesus' very first message, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said this, he said, The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus said there are two things that we do to enter the kingdom. We repent of our sins. We turn from sin. You see, you need to understand that That salvation isn't being saved from hell. Hell is a byproduct of our sin. Salvation is being saved from sin. We turn from sin. We no longer want to live under sin's control. We no longer want to live under sin's rule. Each and every one of us are born into a sinful world. And each and every one of us are born with a sinful nature. And we realize that we have no control, that sin is ruling and reigning in our life. And we want to be set free. And so we turn from sin. And when we turn from sin, we place our trust in the only one that can help us. And that's Jesus. And we trust what Jesus did on the cross to take our sins away and save us. And I'm here to tell you listen, when you turn from sin and place your complete trust in Jesus, a transformation happens in your life. You're changed. You're changed from the inside out, everything becomes you hi, I'm
1: Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church, right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's the Barnabas effect It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. you may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious
2: Jesus talked about this with one of the religious leaders of his day. His name was Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You see, the Bible teaches that when we turn from sin and we place our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And the Holy Spirit makes us new. It's as if we were born a second time. We're given a fresh start we're given a new beginning for me that happened when I was nine years old I mean at nine years old you haven't done a whole lot of bad horrible terrible things but I knew at nine years old I was a sinner I was lost and I needed a savior And on a Sunday morning in Hartsville, South Carolina, when the invitation was given, I got out of my seat. I went to the front. My dad was the preacher. I took him by the hand and said, I need to be saved. I don't remember everything that I prayed, but I remember that I asked Jesus to forgive me. I asked him to save me. And I gave everything I knew of myself to everything I knew of Jesus. And at that moment, my life was changed. He changed my life. And, and I'm here to tell you that if you've been born again, there is a moment in your history where your life was changed. The Apostle Paul was talking about this to the church at Corinth, and this is what he said. He said, and when we are born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit changes our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. When we're born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit changes our lives. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you were once just like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let me ask you a question. Have you entered into the kingdom through the narrow way? The narrow way is turning from your sins, trusting Jesus, and being born again. If you have been, everything in your life, has changed. Jesus made everything new. That's the first step to kingdom living. You enter in through the narrow gate. Here's the second thing you need to understand. We experience the kingdom when we surrender to the king's rule and reign in our life. We enter the kingdom through the narrow gate, but we experience the kingdom of God internally in us as we surrender to God's rule and reign in our life. You see, that's God's desire for your life. God desires for you to live a life of complete obedience and submission to Him. After all, He's our Creator. He made us. He created us. He knows what is best for us. And when He gives us things to do, He has given us those things because He wants the best for us. And He wants us to trust Him and live our lives in submission to Him. And we want that as long as God is meeting our needs, doing what we want, and making life comfortable for us. But when God asks us to step out of our comfort zone, when God asks us to do something that isn't focused on our desires and our wants and our wishes, we, we back up and, and we rebel. But you need to understand When we give our life to Jesus, we don't live in a democracy. We don't live in a republic. We live in a kingdom. And you're not the one on the throne. Jesus is. And when we become a part of His kingdom, we are surrendering our lives to His rule and reign. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about this this rule and reign in our lives. He, He begins by talking about prayer. And he tells us this as we pray. He says, you need to pray this way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, that's the way we pray. We pray that God's kingdom rule will come to our lives as God's kingdom rule is already being played out in heaven today. Now, how do you think God's kingdom rule is being acted out in heaven? Perfectly? Completely? Obediently? Without a doubt, isn't it? And Jesus said that when we pray, we need to pray that God's kingdom rule will come in our lives as God's kingdom rule is already being done in heaven. That's how Jesus begins Matthew 6. He ends Matthew 6 with these words. In verse 33, he said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus starts by saying, You need to pray, God's kingdom come in your life as it is in heaven. And then Jesus ends this section by saying, We need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then in between. Do you know what Jesus talks about? He he talks about one of the primary ways that we can give evidence that we are living our lives under the king's rule. He talks about money. We don't like to talk about money in church, do we? Oh, no, that's that's when the pastor meddles, right? You know, you can talk to me about how I should live. You can talk to me about, you know, how I should treat my wife or my husband. But don't talk to me about how I use my money. And yet Jesus says that the way that we view money is a primary indicator of how the kingdom is ruling in our life. Listen to what Jesus said in In verse 19 and follow it. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where where malls eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where malls and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasures are, your heart will be. You see, one of the primary ways that we can see whether we are living kingdom lives is by how we look at money and by how we manage our money. If God set you down right now and had a one-on-one conversation with you, and he opened up your checking account and your savings account and the different investments that you may have, would God say that you are living your life to advance the kingdom? Or would he say that you're living your life to advance your kingdom? Back several years ago, two thousand nine we started a campaign to relocate our church and and back at that time we had three kids still living in our house one was away at college and if you've got kids at home you know you don't have you don't have a lot of disposable income i mean everything's tied up with school and with food and with clothes for kids those kind of things but But we were committed to what we were doing. We were committed to this relocation of our church because we knew that it would give us the opportunity to reach so many more people for Jesus. And so my wife and I prayed, and and we made a commitment that for us at that point in time was a major commitment. We made a commitment that for three years we would give a double tithe. And we looked at what that amount was, and for three years we made a commitment that we were going to give a second tithe over and above our tithe to to our campaign and we did that and it was just this incredible experience of being able to trust God during this difficult time but then we had another campaign several years ago and 3 years ago actually 2 years ago actually now and this campaign was to help us get out of debt so that we could free up more resources as a church to to plant churches in the midlands of columbia to to plant churches along the northeast coast of the united states and to to send missionaries to unreached unengaged people groups around the world and and so my wife and i were talking about what we wanted to to pledge for this campaign and between the time that we relocated and this time all of our kids were grown and married and they were out of the house so we had some more disposable income we had some more income that we were able to use and and so we talked and we prayed and we decided we were going to give twice as much as we gave to that campaign to relocate we felt really good about that and it was a generous gift it was a substantial gift for us but before we could ever make the commitment God spoke to me and he spoke to me as clearly as as he has ever spoke to me. And he said, I want you to double your double. <laughs> and I, I thought for a second, and I was thinking, now, I, I, obviously, that was not God speaking. <laughs> but then, I mean, God clearly said, I want you to double what you are going to double. And I went home, and I told my wife, and I'm thankful that I have a wife that trusts God and, and trusts me. And she said, if you believe that God has told you that, then let's do it. So we made this commitment to give for us this huge gift. And I want to tell you how God works. When you begin to live your life financially under kingdom principles, this is what God does. So we're two years into our campaign. And we have almost, in the next two months... We will have completed our commitment already within two months. We are going to be able to give much more than we even thought possible because we were willing to step out and trust God and live by financial kingdom principles. And I wonder... I wonder who God is speaking to today in regard to that, because if you want to experience the kingdom in your life, if you want to experience God's rule and reign in your life, you're going to have to be willing to step out in faith and trust God for what seems like impossible. But if you do, listen, if you do, God will show up and He will do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine, and you will see God move in your life, you will see God move in your church and you will see God build his kingdom I'm here to tell you there's nothing better than experiencing God's rule and reign in your life as you trust him for what seems impossible what doesn't make any sense you enter the kingdom through a narrow gate You experience the kingdom internally as you surrender to God's rule and reign in your life, but then there's a final thing I want you to see, and that's this. We expand the kingdom as we live selfless lives for the glory of God. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus is preaching a message about the end times, and And he says this, and he says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, then the end will come. Then the kingdom will come. The good news will be preached to all the nations so that all the world will be able to hear Then the kingdom will come. You see, God wants you to live a selfless life, giving up your comfort, giving up your resources, giving up whatever to expand his kingdom because it's not about you. It's not about the church. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom will last forever. And when we invest in the kingdom, our investments will last long after us. So where are you today? Where are you? you holding that key, Mr. Guy. You've been given keys to the kingdom.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk Tampa, online at letstalkfaith.com.